Welcome back in. It is hump day here on Main Street Sports today. Glad to have you with us here on this Wednesday edition. It's Wild and Wacky Wednesday. We give you the weirdest and wildest news from across the world in the next segment. Make sure to stick around. Before that, though, we get a chance to talk a little NASCAR. Vroom, vroom, zoom, zoom. Talk about wild and wacky. Middle of the race, a tire just bloop pops right off. You picked a fine time to leave me loose wheel. Yeah, I wish they would have played that on the air. That would have been great. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about rookie Austin Sendrick. We'll talk about the new car. All of that with WCYB TV's Heather Williams. Heather, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? Um, I'm great. Uh, got back from Daytona a couple of days ago. And, uh, and you're still great? Believe that we're, I am still great. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be, to be honest with you, I spent most of yesterday sleeping. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's why, she, that's why she's great right there. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, yeah. I mean, fun, fun weekend for sure. Sounds like, um, obviously, as, as Chris has pointed out, another rookie winning at Daytona. It's, you know, it's um, full of surprises down there nowadays, huh? It is. And I would say that Austin Cindric is a little bit different than your typical rookie this year. He, you know, he spent an extra year in the Xfinity Series last year after winning a championship two years ago. A little, little older than the other two rookies that moved up. So, um, and he's in an outstanding car, probably a top ten car in the garage area. So, I mean, those things certainly helped him in his quest to win a championship, but still a surprise winner for sure. It's interesting because this is not. This has kind of become commonplace, where you know, first time winners are young drivers and. We talked about this with Ryan McGee last week. Sorry that, you know, we had to uh, push you, but uh, we appreciate you being flexible with us. I, I will be pushed for Ryan anytime that you, <laughs> anytime. We, I love we, Ryan. I, I would love listening to him. We appreciate that. But, you know, he was talking about how these young drivers, that they're, they're, they're skilled and they just, they have a lot of energy. And Austin Sendrick is one of those guys that, you like to root for he's you know a great young man and this is just another time where you see the Daytona 500 kind of launch a not a superstar but he it launches a name a guy that you can root for yeah for sure and Daytona is you know kind of set up that way in the just the style of the racing it doesn't have you know that much to do with the car per se or how much so lesser names or, or guys maybe you've never heard of before have a chance where they started, you know, at where we're going this week, Fontana, that may or may not be the case with the new car, but certainly in the past, you know, it's been about horsepower and downforce and those kind of things where you never would probably see a first-time winner in like a Michael McDowell at a racetrack like sure. that. So I think Daytona sets up for that. 
but I think it makes it even greater that it's our biggest race and it's set up like that. I mean, it's our biggest race of the year and literally anyone can win it. That That's the coolest thing ever, in my opinion. Yeah, super speedways tend to lend themselves to, you know, drivers who really get lucky. I mean, obviously the Cindric did not get lucky. He he was running up front with with his Ford friends for most of the third stage. And I wonder how much how much impact does that have on folks like Bubba Wallace and Kyle Busch who just don't have any there aren't as many Toyotas. There are what five in typically in most races. Yeah, and it, it it makes it tougher. It definitely makes it tougher. But I'll be honest with you, at the end of the race, when you're in that final restart, whoever's behind you is your friend and your teammate. You can't really go searching for teammates. The truck race is a perfect example mm-hmm. for anyone that watched that. The top two cars on the outside lane were Chandler Smith in the Ford and Parker Kligerman in a Chevy. And they worked together because they were lined up two and four, and Parker pushed uh, Chandler to the win. So... During the race, when you're trying to work your way up to the front, it definitely is an advantage. But at the end of the race, if Bubba had lined up one and Austin was behind him and Kyle was behind him, Austin would have worked with those Toyotas because that's who's around him. You don't really have a choice. Um, And I also would like to make a little bit of a statement about luck and Daytona. There's definitely a ton of luck involved. But you generally see the same guys running towards the front and running well at super speedways because there is definitely an art and a skill to it. Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr., perfect examples of that. Those guys were always in the mix at those races because it does take a skill set that some people, and I even talked to some drivers about this, they don't necessarily take the time. They don't think it's worth the effort at a super speedway to gain that kind of skill because they do it so infrequently. But there are guys like Bubba, like Denny Hamlin, like Michael McDowell, who really work hard to be good on those kinds of kinds of tracks, and they're always in the mix at the end of the races. Speaking with Heather Williams here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Heather Williams with WCYB, the NBC affiliate up in the Tri-Cities. And Heather, um, I'm sitting here looking at your – piece the backstretch week one and i guess that's a um a a piece that you do weekly during during the season but we wanted to ask you um one of the things that you're doing in this is grading the next gen debut um what -hmm. were your what were your thoughts on the the next gen rollout down at daytona i thought it was good i i thought that the cars seemed to draft pretty well. I thought it was interesting that they seemed to tend to want to gravitate towards the kind of old, I say old, but it's only like 20 years, um, if that. Uh, Tandem drafting, they seemed to work well better in that than in big packs, although there was tons of packs racing. Um, For Super Speedway, I thought they looked really good. I think the real test is going to be this week at Montana because that's the racing that this series does the most. So we'll really see, you know, can you pass, um, you know, can you get runs? Are they, how do they handle, which most of the drivers have tell, told me they handle terrible, but that actually makes for better racing. So it'll be interesting uh, to see really next week what this car can do. But as far as the super speedway, I thought the racing was pretty much the same as it's always been. And I thought it was great. And that makes it interesting because, you know, obviously California is 
coming up next. Of course, we're off this this Sunday, but it California not a super speedway, but still a really big track. So how how does this car work going forward at at places like Bristol or uh, which we saw a I guess a quasi Bristol in <laughs> thank you <laughs> in the Coliseum, but like in the future. This car, we just got to wait and see. Is that kind of what this whole process is? Yeah, I mean, there's been some testing, so we'll have some idea. Like, they tested um, at Atlanta, um, and they tested Charlotte, which will give guys kind of a baseline as how it will run at Fontana in California. But, yeah, they never tested Bristol except for one single car test there. So, like, and they haven't, I think they had one dirt test not at Bristol, at another track. So, like, when they show up for Bristol Dirt, who knows? But that was the case last year, really, so I don't know that that will be much different. Uh, and when they show up for Bristol the second time, who knows? Because there's been zero testing um, as far as how they'll handle in groups at Bristol. But I don't know that they're worried about that because, like, just like the Coliseum, Bristol's more about muscling people out of the way mm-hmm. than it is uh, handling. So I, I think they're this, this next race, will really be the true test because um, that's the kind of racing they do the most. And then when and handling and aerodynamics and horsepower are such a big deal. And allegedly all that's equal now. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It's going to be much more on the drivers. With driving differences in at, at places like Bristol and California and what I'm really interested in the road courses you know we've we've kind of seen these drivers talk a little trash about the car um like you said they don't like the handling necessarily and 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 there's a there, there's a lot of things that you have to adjust to as a driver but I'm just curious you know as a whole throughout this season from what we saw on Sunday and what we saw in the clash, it looks to me like because these are kit cars that we're going to see a lot more parity across NASCAR because it's not just about how you, you you can't days of thunder it and I'm going to shave off a piece here and give you a little oil pan and all that kind of stuff. These cars are basically identical. Sure. Um, I think, and especially initially, you're going to see a lot of parity. But don't think for a second that teams aren't trying to find a way to mm-hmm. get an advantage. Look what happened to the Penske and RFK cars uh, this week in Daytona, right? And uh, if you, if people want to watch the segment that we did uh, on our station, uh, Backstretch, Chris Carrier, who's a crew chief in the truck series, is my analyst. And he really breaks down what they were doing at Penske and RFK. And it's basically they shaved off. The, so and it has to do with the wheel thing that you brought up earlier. So these cars are set up so that they have very tight tolerances to get those wheels on. And if you don't get them lined up just right, your wheel's not on tight. Mm-hmm. So they made those holes just a little bit bigger. They said for safety reasons so they could make sure to get that on there and get those wheels on tight. And they got caught. 
but they're always looking for an advantage. They're yeah. always looking for something, and eventually somebody's going to hit on something that's not in the rule book, that's not illegal, that's going to get an advantage, and they're probably going to go weeks before NASCAR figures it out. What the sport is. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, you know, I was going to say that's that's <laughs> kind of been a lot of folk in NAS, uh, folks in NASCAR. That's kind of been their their mantra for years and years. It's, it's not necessarily been their cheating mantra from the start. It's not necessarily cheating, <laughs> but but it's more so, you know, you're looking for an edge. There's there's got to right, be an correct. edge somewhere. Yeah. And and those, and those teams like Penske and Hendrick and and, and uh, probably Rash, Roush now with Kozlowski over there and Joe Gibbs Racing, those guys are going to find the edge eventually. But at the beginning of the year, don't be surprised if you see Michael McDowell win on a mile and a half. Don't be surprised if you see um, Todd Gilliland win at Bristol because it's just much more even, even now. What happens to the teams who have who, who found themselves with torn up race cars this week? going to be tough it's going to be tough because the supply you know the supply shortage is, is real now they probably weren't taking these cars to the next two or three races anyway but in talking to different drivers and especially talking with denny hamlin and brad kowalski as owner drivers at daytona most of these teams only have three to four cars um where in the past they might have had as many as 30 cars per team mm-hmm. so you know, getting ready for this race is fine because that, that car was behind and probably the backup car they were going to use for that too. But the next race, they've got to come all the way, you know, back to Fontana or if they've got to take their engineers out to the track because they're going to probably have to use that next that car on that next swing. And if they wreck a car out there, then they're really in trouble. Yeah, that, that seems to be the biggest issue is where, you know, teams like Noah Gragson who – only have one car and he got caught up in an accident and that's just, and he's out for weeks. Yeah. Because that's the only, well, and, and a team like beer, their next race isn't until Talladega. So sure. they'll probably be fine, but there are other smaller cars, uh, like, um, uh, BJ McLeod live fast team that, that are trying to run every race that are in, in, in a much more dire situation, man, that's, this new car is expensive, and you can't get parts for it. That's, <laughs> I guess. And you know what? I talked to Denny Hamlin back in December, and he sounded the alarm on this. Like this has been, this has been something that's just been an issue for a long time. But NASCAR's opinion is, and I guess I get it, is everybody's in the same boat. Like everybody has the same amount of cars. So, but it's it, it, you know, just wait for the first time that. I mean, the big the big teams are going to find cars, but just wait till a, a mid sized team has a, has trouble getting to a track because of a car. Then I think it might open some eyes. You don't want to be affected, don't wreck, right? Sometimes you can't help it. Well, yeah. and, you know, it did. Yeah, it, but it did change. It did change the way that people, especially practice, but also race the duels. I mean, anyone that watched the duel races on Thursday for duel races, those were pretty calm um, because everybody was afraid of wrecking their car. And, you know, Joey Logano wrecked a car. All of those. And a lot of folks are like, man, this is boring. Well, that's mm-hmm. un- 
Yeah. The unfortunate byproduct of the because typically the dual races were really, really, you know, intense, but not this time. It is what it is. But California in two weeks, Daytona was a lot of fun. Austin Cindric won. Bubba Wallace finishes second uh, without a com- entire right front fender. So, <laughs> the, so impressive. It was such an impressive run at the end, Brian. Look, I, I was, I tweeted. I said Bubba's done. He doesn't even have an. I mean, he's he's lost in the entire fender. There's no way that he's going to be able to get up to speed. And yet he Got was able to, to. And had Austin Cindric not made a great move at the end of the race, it, who knows who could have won? I mean, it would have been a, a three way, three wide at the finish line. So. Well done to Austin Sendrick. And thank you, Heather, for taking time with us. As always, we appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Love coming on. All right. When we come back, it's the wildest and weirdest news from across the world. Wild and Wacky Wednesday here on Main Street Sports Today. Stick around.